0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. I lead Faith Christian Center in Austell, Georgia. Thanks for tuning in today. I believe today's message will encourage you, inspire you, help you live a life that makes Jesus famous in every area of your life. And as a result of this message, I believe something good is going to happen in your life as you listen and as you apply it. So listen up. Here's today's message. Amen. So I take, eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me in Acts chapter 3. We're continuing our verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts. So let's go to Acts chapter 3, verse 12. We're going to pick up with Peter's sermon after the miracle on the lame man was performed, the man was healed and he went off running, jumping, and praising God. And so when all the crowd came together, Peter began to preach. So we're we'll going to pick off near where we left off. And so if you missed this message, you can go and catch up on YouTube or on our website or on Spotify or on the podcast as we go through our verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Starting with verse 12. And when Peter saw it, saw the crowds gathering, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? So when the crowd gathered, they're thinking, well, it's Peter and John. They they did the miracle. But Peter is one of the things we saw in Acts chapter 2. The reason of Peter's first sermon was to explain the move of the Holy Ghost, was to defend the move of the Holy Ghost. Now the second sermon is explaining the miracle that God did. And so we're going to pay close attention to his explanation tonight. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers. Remember, he's talking to a Jewish crowd at the temple. This is not just a lackluster Jew. These are Jews who believe the word. These are Jews who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's making it very clear, the person who did this miracle. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son, Jesus. So this miracle that you just saw, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, did it to glorify the name of Jesus. But notice some of the things Peter is declaring here as we keep going. He says, you delivered him up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. So in Peter's sermon opening, he declares that God did the miracle, that Jesus is the Son of God, and God did this miracle to glorify Jesus. This is Peter's opening statement to thousands of Jews who did not believe in Jesus. Now, they've all heard him preach. They all know who he is. They all know within the last few months he was crucified. They know rumors that he was raised from the dead. They also heard rumors that know the disciples stole the body. So everybody knows who this Jesus is. But Peter is very clearly declaring God did the miracle. Jesus is the son of God, and God did this miracle to glorify or to make famous or to honor Jesus. He said, God honored Jesus, but you rejected him. So notice, he's going to say deny twice in the sermon. You denied him. You rejected him, but God has honored him. Verse 14, but you denied or you rejected the Holy One. Now, when we just phrase the Holy One, we just skip over, but when he's saying the Holy One, it's connected to the prophecy of Psalm 1610, when David said God would not allow his Holy One to see corruption. Peter preached on this in Acts chapter 2. So not only is he saying he's the holy one, that he's holy, but he's the fulfillment of David's prophecy in Psalms. And the just, and you desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and you killed the prince of life. Now this word prince also means the author. So now he's saying you killed, you rejected the author of life, the one who was at the beginning, the one who gave us life. Notice these things Peter is declaring to this crowd. God raised him from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, me and John. We saw him alive. God raised him from the dead. And his name, his authority through faith in his name and authority, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So this wasn't a strange to these people. Everybody saw him every day when they went to the temple. They all knew he couldn't walk. A lot of them probably had given unto him before because he couldn't work, because he couldn't move. They all knew who he was. So Peter's pointing to this man who was right here because he was holding on to Peter and John. He says, you know who this guy is, and this Jesus who is the author of life, who is the son of God. You rejected him, but God honored him, and God raised him from the dead. So I know the chief priest told you and spread the rumor that we stole the body, but no, dead people can't heal nobody. The faith which is by him or through him has given this man perfect soundness, perfect healing and wholeness in the presence of everybody here. Verse 17. And now, brethren, I walk that through ignorance that you did it, as did all your rulers. You didn't know what you're doing. You didn't know what you're doing. Your leaders didn't know what you're doing. But these things, those things which God has before showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has also fulfilled. So what is Peter now saying? Jesus is the fulfillment of what all the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied about. So, you came here to hear readings of the Psalms. Jesus fulfilled the Psalms. You came here to hear readings and fulfillment about the prophets. Jesus fulfilled the prophets. Notice what he's pointed to in this crowd. Verse 19 Repent, therefore. Why repent? Because who Jesus is? He's the Son of God, He's the author of life, He's the one God honored, He's the one God raised from the dead. Because of who Jesus is, because of what he has done, and because of what God just did through him, you need to repent, or you need to turn and be converted and change your mind. So he's telling this crowd, you need to turn the way you're living because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done, and because although you rejected him, God honored him. So instead of rejecting him again, instead of denying again, turn from your ways of rejection and follow him. What happens if they would return and be converted and change their mind? That your sins may be blotted out. That phrase blotted out means to smear out, to wipe away, to obliterate. In essence, you turn and change your mind, your sins won't exist anymore. So although you're coming to this temple to offer sin offerings to cover your sins, and you're going to have to come back and do it again, if you turn and follow Jesus, your sins won't exist anymore because there was already an ultimate sacrifice given, and you will never need another sacrifice. Remember this crowd who he's talking to, what's in their mind, why they came to the temple in the first place, then not come to the temple to see a miracle. They're doing the good Jewish duties. But now Peter is declaring, if you follow him, you don't need another sin offering. Your sins now will be covered, blotted out, wiped away, smeared out, obliterated. They will not exist anymore. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. This refreshing has an interesting definition. It means recovery of breath. That from the presence of God, there will come a move that will cause you to recover your breath. Another definition is revival. He's saying revival is coming from the presence of God. So he's proclaiming Jesus, and he's proclaiming revival. And then after all these things, he shall send Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's who he is. It's his title. Christ means the anointed one. You can't talk about the anointed one without talking about the Anointing. he's anointed with. What is he saying? Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. Once again proclaiming, Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. And he's coming back again. God raised him from the dead. Jesus left, but Jesus is coming back. Which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Restitution means restoration. So the time of restoration he's talking about here will begin when Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom for the millennial reign after the end of the tribulation. So Peter says here, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets, the world began. Since the beginning, God's been talking about, although man fell, although sent into the world, I will restore everything and make it like it was supposed to be in my original intent. And so he's declaring these times will start when Jesus comes back. Now, when you look and divide the Word of God, you see this is the beginning of the church age. This is the beginning of the age of grace. When the church age wraps up, soon after that will begin the tribulation, which is a seven-year period of time. Now, the rapture does not start the tribulation, but the rapture does happen before the tribulation. What signifies the start of the tribulation is when the Antichrist enters into a political agreement with Israel. That is the start. So there can be a gap of time between the rapture and the actual beginning of the tribulation. Cause you have to remember, especially you got two billion Christians on the planet. Or two billion people who name the name of Jesus. Some are actually saved. Some just—that's their what they say about themselves. But with this revival we're entering into, and this awakening we're entering into, and this year of abundant harvest, if everybody starts walking with God, people who are backsliding come back to God, and we start winning more people to Jesus, you can easily have three billion people disappear in the rapture. Imagine how long it will take the world to recover to actually get to a place where a political agreement is offered between the Antichrist's kingdom and Israel. So there can be a gap of time. How long is the gap of time? Doesn't say. But at the beginning of the tribulation, it will start, it will be marked with the agreement between the Antichrist and Israel. Seven years from that point, Jesus won't come back. There will be an army that has marched from Asia, that has killed one third of the world's population, and has con- marched for domination. They're going to challenge the Antichrist who rules a ten-kingdom system. He doesn't rule the world. He rules one-fourth of the world. He doesn't rule these kings in Asia. So they're coming to battle saying, well, who's going to be the global superpower now? And as they begin to fight, Jesus appears in the air, and they make the ultimate stupid decision. Let's fight him. How are you going to fight the dude that appeared in the air on a horse? Followed by billions of people on horses behind him. How are you going to fight that dude? But they make a decision, fire! And Jesus starts quoting scripture. And the word is like a sword that comes out of his mouth. Now some of you have seen that Indiana Jones movie when their eye sockets begin to peel off the skin. That's exactly what happens to when Jesus starts talking. And when all that happens and the blood gushes out, it goes up to about this high and fills a whole valley. And then Jesus comes and sets down his feet on the Mount of Olives. And that is going to be the beginning of the millennial reign the time of restoration, Jesus begins his earthly kingdom. And all those who walk with him on earth are put in leadership roles under him, and they manage the entire world. And that goes on for a 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000 years, because Satan's been bound up, Jesus caught Satan, threw him in a pit. And at the end of 1,000 years, Satan is released for a short time, and people still decide to follow, follow Satan. There's a huge crowd that follows. They turn on the kingdom of God. God has fire fall from heaven, deals with all of them. You have the great white throne judgment, and then you enter into eternity future. And so all this begins of the restoration of the planet when Jesus comes back. So they all know the restoration of all things is connected to the resurrection of the dead. They've heard it in the prophets. So once again, Peter is declaring that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything you've heard about your entire life. Acts chapter 3, verse Verse 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers. Now notice who he's quoting. Remember, he's talking to the Jews. He's talking about Moses. Even though it is the law of God, they call it the law of Moses. Moses is the superstar. They preach Moses. We preach Jesus. They preach Moses. So he says, now I've said David has talked about him. All the prophets have talked about him. Now let me tell you what Moses said about him. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, so it come from the midst of you, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear of that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. So he says, Moses said Je- about Jesus, he's that prophet. They've all been waiting for that prophet to show up, and they said Jesus is that prophet. Then he adds on Samuel. Yes, he's a legend to the Jewish people. Samuel talked about him, and every prophet after Samuel talked about this Jesus, and he is the fulfillment of all of them. So, verse twenty-five it says, "All the prophets talked about Jesus in the days we're in right now." He said, "You are the children of the prophets; you're their descendants." You're the children and the descendants of the covenant which God made with our fathers. Saying unto Abraham, in your seed shall all the kindreds of the earth or all the families of the earth be blessed. Notice what he did here. He said, Jesus is the fulfillment of what Moses said, of David, of Samuel, of all the prophets. Now let me give you another heavy hitter, Abraham. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And through him, all of us are blessed. Every nation is blessed. So notice how the Holy Ghost is artfully crafting Peter's sermon. He's telling them Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus. So notice it unto you first. Remember we talked about previously that sometimes revelation is ahead of where your mind currently is. So the Holy Ghost once again it's saying through Peter something he doesn't already get yet. He sent Jesus to them first. I mean, there is a second and third. There are some other places his message will go. And then he also said, all the earth shall be blessed. This means all the earth, not just Israel, but the Holy Ghost is signifying what's going to happen next. So he sent his son Jesus, once again declaring Jesus is the son of God. Why did he send Jesus? To bless you. Notice what they're declaring. A lot of them heard of the law and the judgment of the Lord and law, and God is going to get you. But he's declaring, God sent Jesus to bless you. You rejected him. You had him crucified. God raised him from the dead, but God's will st- towards you is still blessing. God's will towards you is still good. And the blessing begins in turning away every one of you from his iniquities or his depravity or his wickedness. The blessing begins with getting you out of sin, because your sin can short-circuit the blessing. So this is what he's declaring about Jesus. And so he keeps preaching this. You get to chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priest, because remember, they're in the temple. The priests are right there. So the priest, the captain of the temple, or the head of security, and the Sadducees came upon them. So they arrested him. Now let's define some terms. The Sadducees were a group of religious Jews who did not believe in the resurrection, spirits, or angels. This group had political power as well. The Sadducees didn't like the message because they preached that God raised Jesus from the dead and that through Jesus there was resurrection from the dead. One commentary I read says, of the three major sects of Judaism of that day, Pharisees, Essenes, and Sadducees, the Sadducees were a small but influential group that philosophically denied the supernatural and gravitated instead toward the political control of the people. Their denial of the resurrection is what prompted their actions here. What really made them upset about the sermon is that they said Jesus was raised from the dead. There is resurrection in Jesus. So the Sadducees got the head of security, and the other priests gathered together, and they arrested Peter and John. And they put them in the hole, so a common prison, because it was already evening time. But notice what was the result of this sermon from Peter. How being many of them which heard the word, believed. What word? The word of who Jesus is. The word of what Jesus has done. The word that God sent him to bless you. Not everybody believed. But thousands believed. How many thousands? The number of the men was about 5,000. A huge crowd turned to God. And it came to pass the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, members of the high priest family, and many who were members and kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem, So the next day, all the Jewish leadership came together. Remember, yes, there's Herod, he's a king in one area. There's Pilate who governs one area. But now there's a Jewish leadership that also has political power and authority in the land. So they all gather together, the number one guy, his number two, and the entire family, and all the other elders and scribes. They all come together to interrogate Peter and John. This is not a nice meeting. It's not, okay, what happened? Oh, we're so glad something good happened. This is an interrogation. Amen. Nobody is smiling except the man who got healed. Come on, you get, everybody's frowning what's going on, but you know the guy who got healed got this goofy smile on his face. <laughs> and when they set them in the midst, they were in jail. They put them in the middle and says, By what power, what miraculous power, or by what name or what authority have you done this? So sometimes, oh, what miraculous power, what authority? Yes, it's part of it, but they're saying, who gave you permission to do this? We are the religious leaders. You went into our temple and started preaching in our spot. We didn't give you this authority. You didn't come in the authority of Caiaphas. You didn't come in the authority of the high priest. We didn't tell you can do this. Who gave you permission? Who gave you this authority? They are interrogating them. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel. If we this day are examined, which means interrogated or scrutinized, of the good deed done to this impotent man, because he's standing right there, this man who couldn't walk. By what means, if you really want to know how he was made whole, being known to every single body in this room, that by the name, yes, what name? What authority? By the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one who came from Nazareth, the Nazarene, whom you crucified. He is preaching. The people who schemed together to kill Jesus are right there in the room. The people who called the meeting, the people who have the mock trial, they are all right There. And Peter is pointing at him, you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Now, the thing is, remember, after Jesus raised from the dead, there were soldiers at the tomb who, when the earthquake happened and the angel appeared, they shook as dead men and fainted. And when they got up, they went to the high priest and his crew and said, Hey, we saw an angel. He rolled away the stone. This dude is alive. What did the high priest say? Look, we got to shut this down. Nobody else can know. So they gave him a lot of money and bribed them. You go tell the governor that you fell asleep. And while you slept, the disciples stole the body. And they said, if the governor gets upset, we'll take care of you. We'll tell them, oh, you know, this is a long day. Let them go. And so that was a rumor they spread through Israel. They knew an angel showed up. They knew something happened. Whether they believed Jesus was alive or not, it's something different. But they knew something happened. They knew the disciples didn't steal the body. But you had to understand, well, why were their hearts so hard and cold. They wanted their political power. The reason they were jealous of Jesus and wanted to shut down Jesus is because everybody was turning to Jesus. You read the Gospel of John, Caiaphas being one of the high priests said, look, If we let this man alone after he raised Lazarus from the dead, if we leave him alone, the whole nation will follow him. If we don't stop him, everybody's going to follow him because now he just raised this dude who was dead for four days. Now, he had raised other people from the dead, some for a few minutes, some for a few hours, one for one day. But when they did four days, it dispelled one of the Jewish myths of the time that they thought that the spirits of a person hung around a person for three days or for a couple days. But that after the fourth day, the spirit had already departed. So Jesus obliterated their myths and raised someone from the dead they didn't think could even happen. And when he raised from the dead, everybody was talking about it, so they said, okay, if we're going to take care of Jesus, we've got to take care of Lazarus too. Let's kill them both. This is their scheming meeting. And Caiaphas being the high priest, John says, says, it is better for one man to die for the nation instead of the whole nation dying. He said that prophetically being the high priest, he didn't know what he was saying. But the reason why they were scheming, because they said if they followed Jesus and declared Jesus the Messiah and King, the Romans are going to come in and destroy us and take away our political power. We like being in charge. So we need to deal with this Jesus problem. Let's get him killed. Let's come up with some false charges. And they couldn't find anyone to lie with them. so they kindly figured out a few things to try to make it happen. then the mock trial had him crucified. But then they heard he raised from the dead. So they said, well, let's bribe it. We've handled the Jesus problem. It's been handled. So we've called Olivia Pope. We've got it done. (laughs) But now, not too long later, Peter and John do this miracle. And now they're saying, Jesus, the one you thought you shut down, the one you thought was dead, yep, he's alive, and we saw it. You know it too. Even by him, that Jesus Does this man stand here before you, whole? Then Peter goes and says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of corner. Peter declares that Jesus is the stone that was prophesied about in Psalms 118, verse 22. Once again, he's declaring Jesus the fulfillment of the word of God. Remember, the book of Psalms was very important to the early church. It is the book they quoted the most in the book of Acts, the book of Psalms. Then Peter goes on and says... Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name. Remember, the whole issue is the name. Under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. So Peter declares that Jesus is the only way, and his name offers salvation. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, because they're bold. Remember, this is an interrogation. Most people will be shaking in their boots. They have the power to kill people, or at least get to a certain point and convince Pilate to kill them. They're thinking they should be shaking in their boots, but they're bold. They're declaring right in their faces. And while they're looking at them, they perceive that they're unlearned, ignorant men. What does it mean? They did not go to the Jewish rabbinical schools. It's like, we didn't teach them. Did you teach them? Did you teach them? Did you teach them? They weren't our students. They didn't go to our schools, and they marveled. They were in awe, and they took knowledge of them and was like, wait a minute. These dudes were with Jesus. These people walked with Jesus. See, one of the things when we read the Gospels, John's family had some type of political clout or some clout with politicians because when Jesus was arrested, they let John in to where the trial was happening. John had to bring Peter in because Peter didn't have the clout. So they didn't recognize John and Peter because of political clout. They're like, wait a minute. These dudes were with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great for someone to look at you and say, hey, they're with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. And beholding the man that was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, so they kicked him out of the room. So they have to begin to scheme again, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them. It is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. Everybody knows what just happened. It's on every Twitter store, on every Insta feed, every Snapchat. They know what happened. Somebody Facebook live it. Who did it? shut down the Internet? And we cannot deny it. But that that is spread no further. Let's threaten them severely, straightly threatened them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them to not speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. What is the issue at hand? The name of Jesus. Don't say that name. Don't talk about that name. Don't utter the name. Don't teach about that name. We do not want to hear that name again. That name causes us trouble. It gives us indigestion. Do not say that name. They thought they were done with Jesus and his name. But he keeps coming back. But then Peter and John answered. So now it's not just Peter talking. John, who most believe is the youngest disciple, who by this time could still be a teenager in his early 20s, pipes up and said, whether it be right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, let us know. Judge you, you're the spiritual people. Y'all the Jewish leaders. Y'all study the law. Is it better to listen to you or God? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We are witnesses. We saw it. We heard it. That's what we're going to keep on saying. So when they further threaten them, you keep talking, we're going to get you. We're going to beat you. We're going to lock you up. We're going to kill you. They are threatening them with all they have finding nothing how they could punish them because of the people for all men glorified God for what was done. Because it's going to look really bad if the religious leaders punish somebody who calls everybody to praise God. Remember, it's all about political power and political prestige and political image. See, nothing's new under the sun. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. The guy who was healed was over 40 and he hadn't walked his entire life. And being let go, they went to their own company. It's good to have your own company. It's good to have a own group of believers that you can always go to. It's good to have a church family. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and began to cry and whine. No. They began to pray. Notice how they begin the prayer, Lord, you are God, which has made heaven and earth, and the sea, all that is in them. They begin to claim about how good and great God is. Then they begin to quote the book of Psalms once again. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine vain things. The kings of their stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against your holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before it to be done. So now the are quoting the word of God. They're standing on the word, they don't begin their prayer with their problem. They don't begin their prayer with the situation. They begin with declaring who God is and what the word of God has to say about the situation. And now, Lord, look at what they threatened us with. Here's what we want you to do. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Why? Boldness in the face of their threats. They said they could do this to us. They said they could kill us. They said all these threatening things. Give us boldness so that we can keep preaching your word. Specifically, what is the word at hand? The name of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he's done, and God's will to bless them in them turning to Jesus. And then look also what they ask. By stretching forth your hand to heal. That's what got them in trouble in the first place. God, we don't want you to stop healing. Keep on healing. And that signs... And wonders may be done by the name. Remember, the issue at hand is the name. Don't back up from glorifying the name, God. Glorify it some more so that at that name, more healings, more signs, more wonders. Remember when we said signs, it gets your attention and deals with the mind where the wonders get, deals with your imagination. Do more things through and by that name that doesn't cause people to stand in awe and leave them speechless. If your holy child Jesus, and when they prayed, the place was shaken. When they were assembled together, now we get shocked with certain moves of God when God moves in such a way. You get ready for when buildings start to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. But I thought they were all filled with the Holy Ghost before. Yeah, there's one baptism of the Spirit, but there's many refillings. You have to stay filled. You have to continually be filled. And there's some moves of the Spirit where the Holy Ghost falls and you're filled up again. But your daily feeling happens in your prayer life. As you spend time with God, as you commune with him, as you pray, as you read the word, as you confess the word, you can keep yourself full. But there are moves of the Holy Ghost that happen when God's people gather together where God refills them back up. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They did not back down. They did not shut up. They kept going. And as we'll get into next week, God did exactly what they asked. More miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings happened in the name of Jesus. That revival, that refreshing from the presence of the Lord that Peter talked about hit that place strong. But notice the power here of united corporate Prayer. When they came together and prayed based off the word of God, notice what the Holy Ghost did. That's one of the reasons why we at the church, we're going to pray more. Yeah, it's great to have a kickoff the year with 40 days of prayer, but we're going to pray more as individuals and more together. You know, one of the things I saw when I looked at the reports today for the Wednesday noonday prayer, we have more people gathered today in prayer than we did during our 40 days of prayer. It's like a really time of prayer has started after the forty days of prayer has ended. That's why every first Saturday we can gather here in prayer, and every second Friday we can gather here in prayer, and every Wednesday we can gather on the phone and pray. Prayer precedes great moves of God. Prayer produces power, and in this day we need power. We need such power that grabs the world's attention. We live in a day and age where there's people with short attention spans. Most of us have a short attention span. But when the Holy Ghost moves in such a way, you may have a short attention span, but you can't get your attention off of him. Because if he can do this thousands of years ago, you really think he's already showed his best work? You really think he's already revealed his best hand? The latter is always greater than the former. The best is always yet to come. And as we near the end of this church age we'll see greater and greater and greater things. But the people of God must pray. We must continue in prayer. We must persevere in prayer. We can't just pray little prayers, God bless them, that's it. No, we got to be real people of prayer. When we gather together and in our individual lives, we have to understand that if we want more people to be born again, we have to enter into greater intercession. To the point where we begin to pray for people, we stay in the spirit long enough that we tap into travail and groanings. Because when Zion travailed, the nation was born. When we get into that spirit of travailing, now you can't just turn it on and say, oh, Holy Ghost, I'm going to travail today. No. But when you get into the spirit, he may lead you that way. And what's going to be the purpose of when he leads you into that type of prayer? Somebody's going to be saved, or somebody's going to be developed in the things of God going from being a baby to a mature believer. But we have to be people of prayer. It's not going to happen in our philosophical reasonings. There are some people you can preach the greatest sermon to you, sermons to them, they won't change. But someone gets in prayer and starts praying for them and refusing to give up. They yield to God. We have to be people of prayer. Because what we see in the book of Acts is great we should have greater than what they had. They were the early church. They were the baby church. 2,000 years later, should we have more? So it's time to go for the more. So before we leave, let's pray. Stand to your feet. Go ahead and cross the aisles and grab hands with each other. Chresta ma shtinama. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, begin to pray in other tongues. That there's an ungro, an ungro, avre, yes, Yeah, yeah, greater unction. Ah, madoso. Greater utterance. sitora. Grant times of refreshing, times of recovery above, times of revival for this 10-mile radius grant us bold as when it comes to sharing with others about Jesus. Stretch forth your hand, Father, that by the name of Jesus, more healings, miracles, signs, and wonders may be done that causes everyone in this area to stand in awe at the name of Jesus. Not in awe at us, but in awe at Jesus and who he is. That they come to understand that there's a mankri ishtabaha, that there's a Mundi jekalama, that sutoko. So anoint each and every one of our hands to do miracles, signs, and wonders. Not just my hands, Father. Each and every single person here and watching online and part of our family, part of every believer, anoint them to do miracles, signs, and wonders. That when they say the name of Jesus, when they lay hands on the sick, there's recoveries. There's outstanding manifestations of God that causes this area, saved and unsaved, to stand in awe kari di da sitala, sita la ka gondri ste baha shukora ba sita da ba vroshikandi eshtada mango oso mange esabala boso boso dovo vobokola mange le na nandiri That there's a nam da shikora manga a frosha so vro mange le la mango ho Zenda na 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 mango, na na la se la ma. We want more of your spirit poured out in this area. More of your power poured out. More manifestations of your glory. We want heaven on earth. It's not enough for us to die and go to heaven one day. We want heaven on earth. We want heaven on earth in this 10 mile radius. We want heaven on earth in our homes, heaven on earth in our neighborhoods. Manifestations of your goodness, manifestations of your glory, manifestations of your mercy, manifestations of your spirit. That's what we desire. We know it's according to your will, and we know you're very willing. Because this is the year of abundant harvest that will cause us all to stand in all. So we lay hold to the abundant harvest of souls being saved. Of people running to Jesus from every belief system, every religion, every non religion, every thinking, every philosophy pattern. People repenting and being converted. People turning and changing their minds. People being born again. Help us. Help our unbelief. Help our want to. For you're the one who lives in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And we know the will and the obedient, to eat the good of the land. Help us to be passionate about winning the loss, passionate about forming miracle signs and wonders, passionate about receiving the word, passionate about prayer, passionate about the things of God. For those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, help us maintain our hunger and our thirst so that we can continually be filled and expand our spiritual capacity. So that we have such a move here, it affects every single generation. From Generation Z to the millennials, to generation X, to the Baby Boomers, and the greatest generation. We want a move of God in this area that catches every single age group, that they all stand in awe, and that they turn to Jesus. Oh, glory to God. We pray these things and receive these things in that name. And that name that so disturbed those religious leaders. And that name that terrifies hell. And that name that every demon must bow to. And that name that every sickness, every disease, every cancer must bow to. And that name that all poverty and all lack must bow to. And that name that everything must bow to. At the name of Jesus, we pray. And we receive these things. Amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh glory to God! Hallelujah to Jesus! Hallelujah to Jesus! I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Connect with us on social media. Our handle is at We Are Faith ATL. Follow us online at FCCGA.com. If you want to support the ministry financially, you can text FCCGA to seven two five six or give online. But most importantly, we never want to close a broadcast without giving the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you never prayed this prayer, repeat after me, meet it from the bottom of your heart. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian if you pray that prayer, we believe you've been born again. So if you pray that prayer, let us know by connecting with us online or emailing us at info at FCCGA.com. Once again, thanks for tuning in today. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have an amazing day.